If you have a dream, you have to speak what you seek until you see what you say. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with financial expert, life coach, and television personality, Lynn Richardson. She says it's time to stop living paycheck to Monday. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. If you are brand new here, you are in for a treat. You're reaching us in the middle of our Money Masters series. So even though you may have thought you clicked on a personal finance show, we actually don't talk about personal finance specifically every single week because At Redefining Wealth, we're a community that believes that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. We believe in the 12th century original definition of wealth, which says it's the condition of well-being. And so on this show, each and every week, we seek to unpack the six pillars of wealth, as we call them. And that talks about all the different areas of life that impact your finances that you might not necessarily think about. So if you want to learn more, I suggest you go to patricewashington.com forward slash start here, patricewashington.com forward slash start here. And you can learn all about the pillars and even take a mini assessment to see where you are and where you may need to start. But because you have joined us here, we're in the middle of talking about money, and I am so excited to introduce Lynn Richardson. Lynn and I have spoken on some of the same stages at major events all over the country. We bump into each other occasionally in the airport or in a green room somewhere, and she is always just, she makes me laugh. She makes me laugh the same way she's going to make you laugh, but also really challenge and stretch you in this episode. So without further ado, let me give you her official bio. Lynn Richardson is a financial expert, life coach, and television personality who uses her quick wit and humorous presentation style to help others achieve personal, professional, and spiritual harmony. Known for her regular appearances on Steve TV, she has also been producing and hosting the Millionaire's Roundtable broadcast via Chicago's WVON 1690 AM radio. It's a daily one-hour interactive financial forum for people interested in improving their financial future. During this time of quarantine, Lynn has been busy. She's been on the front lines doing everything she can to help provide significant and important financial information, most recently doing so on Good Morning America's Smart Money segment. Without further ado, here's my girl, Lynn Richardson. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Lynn. Hey, oh my God, I'm in the house, I'm in the building, <laughs> I'm in the pandemic uh, quarantine uh, <laughs> version of being in the house, in the building, because I'm here. But oh I'm my here. gosh, what has that been here. like? What has that been like for you? Because I know, first of all, I've been knowing you, I think four or five years, and pretty much every time I've seen you, it's been in the airport. I have been <laughs> moving around like a fish in the sea. And let me tell you, I have been home and I feel like I'm on vacation. Like I'm not, I'm not going to necessarily say that I'm pleased about the reason why we're all home, but I can tell you, I am so, I can't even imagine getting on a plane. I can't imagine going anywhere. 
Lynn, that's how I feel now. Yeah. I'm sitting in one spot and for, um, first of all, I'm working harder than I've ever worked in my entire life, entire life. And I've done a lot. I've never worked this hard. And sitting still allows your creativity, your ideas, because you're not now compromised by getting in a car, putting gas in a car, going to a meeting, stopping, mm-hmm. getting out, shaking hands, getting in an airport. I did not realize when I was doing it because like you, I'm just a get the job done kind of girl. But when you fly, when you travel, that's a lot of work. That's a girl. lot of work. That's getting up at 3 a.m. to get to the airport by 5 a.m. to get on the plane by 7 a.m. That's four hours. You haven't even got on the plane yet. Then that's flying for five hours because I'm in California and everything is at least five, six hours away. Mm-hmm. Then that's landing. Then that's trying to get in the car and then getting to your place. And then so 12, eight hours, nine hours have gone by and you haven't even worked yet. Right. You haven't delivered your talk. You haven't <laughs> done the work yet. That, And that's exactly why I teach my ladies that you're not trading dollars for hours. And this is not about, oh, well, it's just an hour talk. Excuse me. It takes 48 hours minimum for me to be able to do what it takes to deliver an hour talk. And you're going to pay for every one of them. Now, see, you just said a word. You just said a word. Yeah, Trading time for money doesn't work. And, you know, people have been saying it forever. And I think really right now, what we all get to see, um, of course, all due respect and prayers to those who have suffered during this pandemic. And for those who have lost loved ones, I know several people, unfortunately, who have passed. Um, So certainly not to diminish that impact and certainly not to diminish the pain that people are experiencing Because unfortunately, many people and there are going to be many, 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 many more people over the next minimally two to three years. But I think it's going to last much longer who are going to be impacted, you know, negatively in terms of finances because they were not prepared. But that's why we're here. That's why you give us this wonderful gift with this podcast. And that's why I'm working harder than I've ever worked before to try to help people turn it around, even in the middle of a storm, you know? Yes, turn it around, even in the middle of the storm. There's a sermon by Stephen Furtick, and he talked about that you could be in the same storm, but in a different boat. Come on now. Same storm, different boat, boat, right? I'm in in a different boat. I'm in the one that's at peace, be still. Let me tell you, while everything is going, I feel like, but what I want people to understand is it's not a a reckless existence. It's paying attention to the rules. If I have to go outside, it's wearing my mask. It's choosing not to go outside. You know how how many girlfriends have called and said, you know, with all these things we've done and we had an episode of Girlfriends check-in, it was the highest rated across all cable for Black women during the time and people want to get together for, you know, cocktails or celebrate. I said, we're going to celebrate on Zoom. Mm Mm-hmm. We're celebrating on Zoom. Hello, everybody. We cannot go outside yet. So I think we have peace amidst the storm when we honor the laws of order. I talk a lot about order right Mm -hmm. now. And then so when everything is in disorder, order is what grounds us and then keeps us moving forward towards the prize. Yeah, I love that. So I first I heard of you before I met you, but I met you at Megafest. I was racking my brain trying to think about when did I first meet Lynn? I met you at Megafest. We were on the same panel 
years ago. I think it was maybe 2015 or 2016, somewhere around there. And what I loved so much about you, one is you're funny as heck, real, <laughs> real and raw. And that with all of the wisdom that you drop, I could see people looking at you and thinking she doesn't know anything about my experience, right? Mm. Or what I've done. And I remember someone mentioning your name and like, oh, you need to follow Lynn Richardson and MC Light. And I was like, MC Light for finance? Like, where did that come from, right? Like at the time, I didn't know, right? That you guys had all these things going on. And then I heard you share some of your testimony. Mm. And I was like, this is my kind of girl because my audience already knows I am only here because of my testimony. Mm -hmm. I am who I am because of, and I have the passion and compassion I have for people because of my experience. Before we drop into how you're about to gather us and y'all call me the edge snatcher, just wait, Lynn is coming. How you about to gather us together? You have to tell us some backstory about what led you down this path to become who you are today? You know, it's in this very moment right now, I don't think I've ever had this feeling right here where I realized how much my testimony got me here and how much of a double-edged sword it is because it was painful, 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 painful. You mean to tell me I had to do that to get to here? So before I go into it, I just want to just say to anybody who's out there listening, who's feeling like you can't make it, you can't do it, you want to give up, it's not going to work. I am telling you, I am living proof that anybody can overcome. When I tell you anybody, anybody can overcome. I was born and raised in Chicago. My grandmother was 75 years old, cleaning homes for wealthy people, putting me through college. I grew up in the projects. I knew we were not rich, but I didn't feel poor. If I needed money for something, I'd say, grandma, I need money for a field trip. She'd tell me to go look in the room on top of the shelf, behind the box, inside my pocketbook, inside the zipper, wrapped up in a piece of paper towel is $20. Child, I'm like, how does she remember? And she had like, she could say that like 10 more times. She knew. Oh. And so that's what I knew about money. Um, I didn't learn anything else about it, except, you know, pretty much she would get up at you know, four in the morning in the Chicago snow, 70 below zero, only about four foot 11, I think, with heels. And uh, if she had to do that and travel two hours to get to someone's house in the north suburbs of Chicago, that's what she did. So when I got off to college, to Northwestern University, I realized now, and I'm going to talk about why we make the choices that we make about money. But very first week of school, I got a bunch of credit cards. I went into the credit card room. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Baby. It needs to be in a dictionary, the credit card room. That's the room where you go in college and ruin your life. <laughs> That's the definition of the credit card room. Okay. I went into the credit card room. I did not pick what, you know, I saw people looking, going from table to table, you know, like thinking, uh-uh, I got one of each. Okay. Couldn't pay anybody when the creditors will call and say, well, Lynn, can you borrow the money? I'd say, can I borrow it from you? You know, <laughs> Yeah. Flip just fast, honey, just fast talking. Fast talking with an attitude. You know how you, when you don't have any money, you owe people money. You act like they owe you money. Girls, just a whole big Like they did it. <laughs> like they did it to you, right. You did it to yourself, but you mad at everybody else, which goes back to people talk about the enemy, but it's usually the inner me. And if we can get the inner me in check, we can keep the enemy off of our backs. But I'll get to Ooh, that. That's a word. 
I graduated and I, you know, my credit was jacked up. I had to get my furniture from Rent-A-Center, literally had to get my furniture from Rent-A-Center. I couldn't buy a car. I, I scraped up a few hundred dollars, got this little lemon. So here I am walking into the real world and my credit was jacked up and my money situation was nothing like I thought it would be growing up as a little kid with opportunity and academics and smarts and all that. So fast forward, I become successful. I married three children, big, beautiful house in the suburbs. I helped the lady with four bankruptcies and two foreclosures, overcoming credit issues in Chicago. Um, I was a radio show host, became very well known, started making a lot of money. And um, but I was living a lie. I was living check to Monday. You see, check to check is a blessing. That means you get paid on Friday and by the next payday, you broke. But check to Monday is a whole nother game. Oof. You get paid on Friday. You kick it on the weekend. You pay on your past due bills because in your mind, your current bills are not due yet. You just got to stop right there. Like anything that's coming up due ain't due <laughs> in your mind. And by Monday, you're broke. And I was living that lifestyle making 20, 30, 40, 60, 80, $90,000 a month. I, I may have had some six figure months um, and I'd still be broke. Not a year. I said a month. So what I know now and what I didn't understand then, it didn't matter how much money I made, which is why you can't really trade time for money. Mm-hmm. And so I understood then that more money doesn't solve a money problem. If it did, millionaires wouldn't go bankrupt. If more money could solve a money problem, you wouldn't have a bankrupt millionaire. You wouldn't have a bankrupt billionaire. So one thing led to another. I hit rock bottom. I decided, God, if you save me from myself, when people see me, they will see you. And that was my turning point. When I started telling the truth, that was my turning point. When I didn't even, at that point, I didn't even need money. I, I just wanted to live. I just wanted to live in not just a physical life. I wanted to no longer be tormented. And I had been tormenting myself with my own desires and dreams and wants. And so I wound up going into the financial services industry and was a top executive at the world's largest financial institution. Ended up going to a meeting where I was supposed to go over my three to five year plan. This is after I had taken an initiative that had done three million. I did 36 million in my first nine months. And so all these great things. So I'm like the golden girl of the division. And I get in a meeting and they say, Lynn, what are you going to do for the next three or five years? I was last because I, you know, they would kind of save me for last because I do my presentation, make everybody laugh, all of that stuff. And before I knew what I was saying, I said, I'm going to spend the next three to five years helping people remove money as a barrier to God. That's what I said. When I tell this story publicly, I don't I reword it because then people won't understand it. But I know here you understand it. Those are the words I said. And non-black people, and I was the only black person. <laughs> so that's everybody else. Everybody looked and said, no, there were a few other, few other African-Americans. Everybody looked and I, I was shocked too. I couldn't believe what came out of my mouth. I could not believe what came out of my mouth. I went on with the meeting, you know, it was a blur now, but on that ride home, and that's why you have to speak what you seek until you see what you say. If you have a dream, you have to speak what you seek until you see what you say. On that plane ride home, I opened an essence of Black Enterprise. I forget which one. And there was Russell Simmons, Jay-Z, Beyonce, all these celebrities at this summit. Get your money right. And there was Susie Orman. 
and instantly I knew where I was supposed to be. And I love Susie Orman. I love David. Like all of us, I have so much love and respect because the truth is, it, it, it one person can't do this. One person can't make us right. It, it, it takes all of us coming from different approaches because there are so many psychological, social, emotional reasons why people have money issues. So there are different approaches. But I knew that in that room of 10,000 African-American people that I was supposed to deliver a message like you cannot put $5,000 rims on a $500 car. I could say that. And they'd be like, yeah, auntie. You know, when did I become auntie? <laughs> Girl, I, wait, I, but I, I'm auntie too, Lynn. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even, how you going to be an auntie when you're 20? You know, I'm like 24. <laughs> how am I going to be an auntie? Manager, I got a daughter who's 24. That's look, I just, look, I just stopped fighting them at this point. I'm like, yeah. how did I become auntie? I just replied. They emailed it. Auntie, I'd be like, yeah, child, what's, what's, what's going on? So... You know, but I knew that I could deliver that message. And so I left that meeting. I was on a plane. I saw it when I got home. Now I'm married. I have three small children. So I traveled a lot back and forth. Even if I could stay overnight, I usually did not because I at least want to see my children when I got home. I got home. It was kind of late. I was supposed to go to bed and get up for another flight. And I couldn't. I got on the computer And I said, I got to find Russell Simmons. And I didn't know anybody who knew him. He didn't know me. I didn't even know I could be in entertainment. I had no concept that entertainment was something that was tangible. My experience with entertainment up to that point is what I saw on television. That was it. So I didn't have this like goal or desire to people talk about you famous or celebrity. I had no desire or concept. I wound up finding an email I emailed them and I found a phone number to one of his charities and I called. I left a message as if I was Oprah. So you got to be confident, but not too stalkerish. Okay. (laughs) Then I kept calling and I got a meeting and I went into that meeting and I said, I had some things to say about how I thought we should be approaching wealth, particularly as people of color. And I left his office running a national program. I just wanted to speak. I left that office running program and I'm here today. Come on, Lynn. Cool story. Born in the projects, grandmother, father. I witnessed uh, physical abuse in my household, post-traumatic stress syndrome as a little girl. And here I am today. And here you are. Living oh, next to Monday, embarrassed. When I had no more money, I had no more friends. Everybody who was around when I was buying everything and throwing all the big parties in the biggest house in a subdivision, which was like all of that stuff, everybody. And here I am today. I have this thing with people. I love people so much. And I usually see more in them than they see in themselves. And so I end up being kind of like the Medea (laughs) in the group. And, you know, I remember having a conversation with one of the celebrities that I manage and work with. And she was telling me something about, you know, my people skills that I needed better people skills. I said, when people get better, I will too. (laughs) My skills match you. You want better out of me? Act like you got some sense. You act crazy, I'm going to act crazier. You got some sense, then I'll have more. I will always match or and exceed what you do. And then I told her this. I said, if you want to be regular and mediocre, go get somebody else. But as long as you say you want greatness, I'm going to keep kicking your where you trying to go. So, you know, it's a love, weird relationship. 
it's like people don't want to hear me talk. Then if I stop talking, Lynn, what you got to say? I don't have nothing to say. Come on, Lynn, tell them. Then I tell them that, you know, the truth will set you free, but some it'll piss you off first. Listen, listen. that's what I tell my clients, Lynn. You didn't invest in this program in order for me to coddle you. I'm here to push you into your greatness. I'm not here to be BFFs. I'm not here to succumb to the lesser version of yourself. I'm not here so that you can reprogram me to be basic while you are acting as if you're basic when you know God has called you to greatness. I'm not here for that. That's not what you invest in. I can't coach and coddle. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Be ready. That, but that comes from, too, people have to be ready for the transformation because everything that it took for you to go from paycheck to Monday to being who I know you to be today, that took a lot of work, right? And that took even pushing yourself and disciplining yourself and you having to sacrifice in the same way that you're telling other people to sacrifice. So can you talk about... What was the process to go from check to Monday to doing what you do now? So one of the books that I, I have so many books that I love. First of all, the Bible. Second, the richest man in Babylon. And then uh, third is super rich. And in super rich, Russell Simmons talks about the state of needing nothing. And needing nothing is when you actually attract everything. And I talk a lot and I talk to my clients and people around the world about uh, material illness. Material illness is what you have when a material thing's presence gives you pleasure and its absence gives you pain. Say it again. Material illness is when a material thing's presence gives you pleasure and its absence gives you pain. So let's take my 2005 Mercedes, which I still drive. <laughs> People are like, are you good? I want to go get a new Cadillac so bad, but I can't. I can walk into any lot and pay cash if I want, but I can't because I got a 2005 Mercedes that still runs. It only has about 97,000 miles on it, maybe a little over that. So the point is, I would love to have the Cadillac and it would give me pleasure. But not having it does not make me feel any less than. Not having it doesn't give me pain. The transformation is when everything was gone. See, what I try to help people learn and understand is learn how to spend less money when you are in the power seat. See, everybody knows how to spend less money when you have none. You don't get no credit for that. Come on, Lynn. You don't get no credit for not spending money when you don't have any. Come on now. So the, the, the challenge is to have some money and then learn how not to spend it. Well, unfortunately, I had to learn how not to spend money from not having any. 2008, flat broke. Quit the job, went to go work for Russell Simmons, Rush Communications, in my dream position, all of a sudden crash. The day we did our big national press conference, October 8th, if you go back and Google it, the uh, stock market crashed the next day lost everything, food stamps. And so material illness, here's the other thing, disconnecting from people. See, if you want to get your money straight, you got to forget what people think. Mm-hmm. All of them. And let me tell you, women, I, I, you know, like you, I counsel a lot of women. And the very first thing they want to talk about their kids. Oh, my kids. I said, don't tell me about your kids. Your kids are evil. 
<laughs> they only want what they can get. I'm telling the truth. They are. And we made them that way. Okay. Right. right. We told them that way. So first of all, because I remember when we first started going through the transformation, I'm flat broke. We don't have anything. I'm literally on food stamps. I remember going to church one Sunday with $5. It was this big speaker at church. His book, which was normally 25, he was uh, selling the book for $5. Everybody lined up. I couldn't buy the $5 book. This I'm a grown woman in this century. This was in this century, a grown woman, husband, three children, and I could not buy a $5 book. I needed that $5 to go to Aldi. I knew I could get chicken breast, uh, some green beans and a salad and feed my family for about $4 and whatever cents. So I talk about disconnected from people and my four-year-old daughter at the time, you know, because they were accustomed to going and they were all-star cheerleaders. They've been on ESPN, any kids who couldn't pay, I'm paying, just spending money, spending money, spending money. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a crack addiction. I didn't have a drug addiction. I didn't have a, I didn't even have a spending addiction. I had a worse addiction than, than, than them all. I had, a, I thought I was God addiction. Mm, savior complex. Yeah. Oh, I can help everybody. Mm-hmm. And then when you help the people with the money that you don't have, because see, I would loan money to people even when I was broke. So they wouldn't think I was, which I was, which was crazy. And then when they didn't do what I said, then I get mad. Mm-hmm. Like, cause, cause we use they, money to buy people too. Ooh, not exactly. just things. Mm-hmm. So my four-year-old, she, four or five-year-old, we were sitting at the dinner table and she was saying something about getting her hair done. And her two older sisters, they were usually more mild mouthed. But, you know, my husband said something about, oh, well, we got to think about it. We have to look at, you know, how much money it's going to cost. She said, are y'all broke? That's what she said. And the look on her face was as if she had another family that she was about to pack up (laughs) if we were. She was disgusted. She was disgusted. Tell me kids are evil, right? (laughs) You know, because... People, they have all these excuses. And I think, again, you just said it, your testimony got you here. Gosh, when I think about the testimony, although I am I am grateful and blessed and I couldn't be more like my Richter scale doesn't go up or down anymore. God is just good, period. If, if things are going well, he's good. If they're not going well, he's good. He's just good. But that testimony is, is an experience. And, you know, I used to cry when I thought about where I was. And so I can get past it. And then when I didn't cry for myself, I used to cry for other people. It took me a long time. You've been doing this for a long time, interacting with people one-on-one. I just got back in the game. I was forced to. Once I started speaking publicly, people wanted help. And I thought, oh, they can go get help. But there are certain things that I have to do, period. And so I cry with them, <laughs> you know, years ago. But a lot of times the mothers, they, my daughter's in college and this, that, and the other, my kids, this, that, and the other, and so on and so forth. You got to disconnect from that. Because mm-hmm. what I tell people is this. You're talking about a sacrifice, but God didn't give you life and death in the same assignment. That was only with Christ. He's not going to tell you to rob the bank and feed the homeless. He's not going to tell you to rob your bill collectors and then put the child in school. He's not going to. He's not anything Mm. that you have to do that is upright in alignment. It's going to be in order. It's going to be decent and in order. So in my household, school is free. I told my kids, if you get A's, you go to school for free. 
If you get seized, you go into the free school. Either way, it's going to be free for me. Now, the oldest two, they got the youngest. Well, what's the free school? The community college down the street. You go <laughs> right down the street. That ain't cool, is it? So she got those grades together, got a scholarship. So my oldest graduated from Northwestern. My two youngest graduated from Howard. I mean, our, our, our freshman and sophomore, sophomore and junior now at Howard. And so they understood what it was. So what I say to parents is don't let your sacrifice be a lie. Don't let your sacrifice be a lesson you don't want to teach. I had to start looking at money and saying to myself, do I want to teach my children this? Everything that you're spending your money on, you say is a sacrifice. Show your child your bank statement. You can't show them your bank statement. It's out of order. I've counseled parents. You look, you got to pull the kids out of a uh, uh, private school. You got to find a, a school where that you can afford or go to the public school. OK, you don't like the school in the neighborhood. Find a new neighborhood. So on and so forth. Every time I talk to the children. The children never want to be involved in something that has their parent in financial distress. The kids are like, well, why am I still going here? Parents struggling in foreclosure, bankruptcy, people coming to get the car and they trying to keep the kid in school. And the kid is like, I shouldn't be here if you in foreclosure. So it's us. So I, that's what that was the change. It was me looking at the hardcore truth, having nothing, absolutely nothing, disconnecting from everything. Mm-hmm. disconnect. When I filed bankruptcy, that last one in 2008, I had a Lexus. I could have kept it. I said, nope, don't want it. I drove my little 1999 Toyota and the uh, driver door didn't work. I had to get in on the passenger <laughs> side and crawl over. That's real talk because you had already experienced earning lots and lots of money. Mm-hmm. So talk about real humility. I think it's one thing if you haven't reach some level of, you know, financial, what they would say financial success, which is just the money that you earn. But you had experienced the big house, the suburbs, the parties, the private school, the this, the that, the looking like the savior. And then to have to realize that you're going to have to about face and go back and redo, relearn, unlearn, do whatever you have to do to make a shift. That's the thing that people are afraid of. Yeah, <clears throat> I say this and it I know it doesn't sound right when I say it, but what I say to people is this. If you have more money than you can handle, it no longer has the power that you think. Look at all the wealthy people who are suicidal, who are not happy. Because here's the deal. Once you have all the money that you can think of, you can go because right now people listening to this, you're trying to pay your light bill, you're trying to pay your gas bill. You wish you could go on a vacation. You want to. So I'm going to show you the flip side of that. The flip side of that is being able to do all that and still being miserable. Worse. So I found peace in the storm. I found peace with nothing. See, when the peace that surpasses all understanding. I don't even understand it. I just know it's there. It exists. It's in the storm. So when you can get that, you can get everything. Mm-hmm. When you can say, okay, the very first thing I've been telling people during this pandemic is, first of all, don't panic. You got yes. two concerns right now. You got your health and your wealth. Okay, so you didn't test positive. So your health is good. You're going to stay safe. You're going to practice. Okay, so health is good. Now got to deal with your wealth. 
If we're going to deal with your wealth, which is not just your money, it's wisdom and expansion, assets, leadership, transformation, it's health. It's a holistic experience. The first thing you need for that is you need peace of mind. If you worry about a bill collector, you, you can't, what you going to do with worry? What problem is worry going to solve? What company, what great company is worry going to create? What miracle is worry going to produce? It doesn't. It can't. Worry does nothing. Anxiety does nothing. Fear does nothing but rob you of your power. So I have this theory. I tell everybody. As long as you have food, clothing and shelter, you can look up. And well, but I don't want to. No, 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 no. If you can't afford where you live, you might have to give up those bricks. You, you can't afford it. If I had to, my grandmother passed last year, right before her 98th birthday. But I often said over the years, if I had to go sleep on her floor and make a pallet, y'all know what a pallet is hmm. from back in the day mm-hmm. when you were like eight, you went to your cousin's house and the only place you could sleep was on that little sheet on the floor with your pillow. If I had to sleep on a pallet at Grandma B's in her one little room place and I had nothing else. But I had my I had God, I had my mind and I can go out and grind. See, food, clothing and shelter. That's all. And you don't need a lot of clothes. You know, I'm like Steve Jobs was. They say he wore the same thing every day. I wear the same thing all the time. When I travel, I only bring enough outfits exactly for what I'm going to do. Listen, me too, Lynn. There's no thing. I travel with my husband and I'm like, sir, where are you going? (laughs) Are you, am I dropping you off here? Are you staying with these people after I leave? Where are you going? You know, but we be on the road. I take what I need to get the job done because I'm headed back. I wear Black Wolf uh, t-shirt, black leggings, Air Force Ones, little nice white crisp. I have my bag and I wear that same little get up every time I might change the color because it takes all the thinking out of, because I need to create. My mind has to be free to create and fear blocks that anxiety blocks that negative energy. Let me tell you something about energy. Energy is like money in the bank. Once you spend it, it's gone. It's gone. Now, keep those toxic, toxic people around you if you want to. Keep those people who are draining you. Those people that you talking to on the phone uh, every other day about the same problem that you or they have had for the past 15, 20 years. Mm-mm. Energy, mm-hmm. money in the bank. Once you spend it, it is gone. Energy, you know, people say time is money. Energy. energy, yes. Energy is more valuable than any of it. Because if you have time and the wrong energy is in that time, well, you've just wasted time, money and everything else. I'd rather have energy than anything. Give me energy. You give me energy, the right energy, the energy to be able to create. So the, the, the other thing about this, and this is, I think, being still allows us to find out who we are. Believe it or not, I cried and wept and wept and cried about four months ago. Because I knew that God was calling me to another level of service. And I didn't want to give. I was tired. I just wanted to watch TV every day. You know, catch up on the facts of life. (laughs) (laughs) 
watch reruns of Welcome Back, Carter. You know, so I just want to. He said, no, you don't have to work. And the kind of work that I had to do, it was. So let's think about this. It's full circle. I had to go back to my living check to Monday self. Because I was a hard worker back then. Hard, I would work, 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 work. Because I didn't believe in budgets. I just figured I could work harder and whatever. But that didn't work for me. So then once I got through that, I said, oh, I'll never do that again. I'll never, you know, uh, clients and creating curriculums and this, that, and the other. And I'll let other people do that. Let me just go tell the speech. Guy was folding his arms saying, okay, I'll wait. So I had to pull out all sides of my brain. I am... I was a math major in college, math, econ, and finance, but then I'm a creative, I'm a speaker. So I've got the right side going with creativity and connection. I've got the left side. There's a part of me, people are like, is that Lynn? Very, very just stiff because I, I, could, I could have been a computer program or something. I had to turn on that side of my brain. Didn't want to do it. Ooh, but when I did. So books have been born. Dynasty. Yes. Come on. Let's get into Dynasty because I'm, I'm excited about this. You start sharing and I said, no, no, no. We need to say yeah. this on the podcast. I need to hear about Dynasty. Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you, I feel like. Well, first of all, it was that crying episode. Like, literally, I was crying. I was sitting at my dining room table and I cried and I wept. And my husband was sitting on the stairs and the kids, uh, my two youngest hadn't got home yet. The pandemic hadn't we hadn't been forced to quarantine yet. But it was kind of in the talks that it may have been coming. Might have been even just slightly before that. He was sitting on the stairs and he's always just been my guy. Like, man, God sent me a good, not just a good husband, a God-fearing husband. He covers me like Christ covers the church. So, but he's the kind of husband that even though he has my back 100% when I'm wrong, even though he has my back 100%, when I'm wrong, he figures out a way to, Still have my back, but tell me, now, baby, you wrong. So I'm telling him, I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to just any other. Da, 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 and I don't want to. And why do I have to be the one to help people? And da, 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 da. Like, literally. Why? He said, you got to, you got to, you got to, you got something in you. You still got to give. And once he said that, that I still had to give, I just wept. I just cried. And I remember now, I just, I wiped my tears. I was like, okay. And I just started creating. Just started creating. So a dynasty, a guide to creating, to building and creating generational wealth. Um, 2008, right after the economic crash, I created Wealth Vision 2020. And my vision at that time was that if we worked collectively as a community, to not just teach financial literacy. This is financial literacy is what do you do? You know, put 10% in the bank. It's deeper than financial literacy. It's behavioral change. It's it's all the things that you talk about. It's the psychological things. It was my belief that we could, by the year 2020, arrive at a new dimension of wealth for people of color, for underserved populations, um, and of course, my community, African-Americans, women. But really, there was no color on it. It was just people who are trying to get out of the rat race and trying to be free that by 2020, it could it would happen. So created that 
And here we are in Wealth Vision 2020. And what I did not realize is what I said in 2008 is what I became. That's what I am now. See, I used to teach what I was going through. No, let me be, tell you the truth. I used to teach what I did not do. I used to help everybody else get their money straight. Mine was jacked up. It's like the nappy head beautician, the snaggletooth dentist, you know. <laughs> Come on, you fixing everybody else's teeth and yours are rotten, you know. Which is kind of the blessing and the curse of having a gift because usually the thing that you do well is also the thing that you struggle with, which is why you can show others, but maybe not necessarily yourself. So that was me in the beginning. And then it was, okay, let me practice, let me teach it, but I'm not there yet. But now everything I'm teaching, I am. And I say that, I I don't want to cry. I am. So if I can be, I am. I know everybody else can. So now I'm so on fire because it's been proven that it works. It's been proven that if you live below your means, if you, I tell people, you know, anybody who has a money problem actually has a math problem because money is not the problem. Money is so consistent and predictable. Money says one plus one equals two. That's what I am. And if you try to go get 10 things and I'm only two, you're going to have a problem. But if you look at me, if you honor me, money says, if you honor me, if you respect me, if you track me, if you control me, that's what money says. If you control me, I will work hard for you and I'll work harder for you than you could ever work for me. Yes. So when I look at my investment accounts and I see, look what that like you just did money went out and made more money for itself than I could ever make. I could, I could talk 10,000 days and not make what the money made. We have to give it the opportunity. So Dynasty, a guide to creating and building generational wealth means, well, first of all, the word Dynasty. I started, you know, everybody needs a business and then, oh, I'm building an enterprise and then it's an empire. And then I thought about my daughters. No, this is a Dynasty. And we get the opportunity right now. I think that I knew something was going to happen. And you may have some you know, thoughts about this. I felt like everything was moving way too fast. I felt like millennials were just like, <laughs> and the world was just like moving. And everything was so fast and phones. And I said, whoa. So I think the fact that we've all been forced to stop, we can teach And I have one philosophy when it comes to, am I going to make this decision with money? If I can't teach it, I don't do it. Listen, I can't. And sometimes I want to do something silly. Sometimes I want to do something. Now, I may I may decide to treat myself or whatever I can. I can afford it. or But usually I get the money back because it's a business. (laughs) It's a tax write off. So I apply all the different rules. But the truth is, really. It's like me just want to go out and get a new Cadillac. I can't really teach that. So I'm not doing it. And I'm okay with it. Mm. So I think um, as we, so my daughters started off different than me. My daughters have 700 credit scores. My daughters have money in the bank. My daughters have, you know, uh, they were thinking, my two youngest are saving. They, they're thinking about buying a car when they go back to Howard. Um, I offered to buy it for them and they're, Basically looked at me like, 
No, thanks. That's, you know how big, girl, somebody told me they were going to buy a car for me at the age of 18, 19, honey, I would have beat them to the lot. So what we're doing, we get to teach something different, but more importantly, and this is just a whole nother dimension. Here's what happens when someone, you know, anybody that you can think of in the world who's made a lot of money, here's what happens when they get a certain amount of money. Let's say they get $100 million or $50 million or whatever it is. They put that money in an instrument called an annuity or similar. There's all kind of different financial instruments, but really the one, the instruments that really control the world's wealth are based in insurance and insurance products. Insurance companies can't fold. If they do, the whole economy shuts down. But you put your money in an annuity. An annuity is an income for life. Put the money in an annuity. Let's say it's $100 million. Let's say it's earning 10% interest. If it earns 10% interest, the $10 million that it just earned, you live off that and the 100 million is still there, still earning interest. But let's say you don't live off the whole 10 million. You only need a million to live off of. So that 100 million is now 110 million. You live off one and now it's 109 million earning interest. So it keeps outperforming and going and rolling over and rolling over. And then here's the piece. Here's the piece. Because a lot of rich people get money, but here's the piece that makes it generational wealth. There's an estate plan. So if something happens to you, then that money gets passed down to your children, your grandchildren. When I sit with clients of certain um, ethnic backgrounds, when they do a financial plan, they bring the whole family in. They get life insurance on everybody, disability on everybody, long-term care on everybody, do a state plan on everybody. Here's what's going to happen when you die. They're not emotional about it. Here's what, oh yeah, so when I pass on, this is going to happen. And they work that thing five generations down. Mm-hmm. So that's what Dynasty is about. And, you know, it feels kind of surreal because I am still young enough that, I'm old enough that I have, all three of my children are out of the house and in college, but I'm still young enough that like I haven't even turned 50 yet. So it feels really surreal to be in a position to kind of now live these next 50 years, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, with the knowledge that I've gained through the testimony and really be able to see it have power in the lives of others. Uh, and not mm-hmm. just my family, your family, millions of families, around the world. So I'm just excited about what this time means and what this season means Uh, for us all. I'm so excited to get Dynasty. I can't wait till it comes out. I know right now what's out though is get your money back. Yes. And you have so many gems. So if you're not following Lynn on Instagram, you are doing yourself a disservice. Lynn, what is your Instagram handle? At Lynn Richardson. YouTube is lynnrichardson.tv or youtube.com slash lynnrichardson, but everything is Lynn Richardson. And I teach three things. And, and for all of us who teach and talk money, it, it all falls in the same categories. The very first thing everybody must do, no matter how it's put into a step, you got to spend less money. So I teach spend less money. And there's a whole little budget thing that goes along with that. The 10, 10, 30, 50, the first 10% you tithe, the next 10% you save, 30% is cash or cash equivalent. Maybe it's on a debit card because people can't move around now. But I used to say it's cash in your pocket for your incidentals, your spending money, uh, hair, 
groceries, gas, nails, all that kind of stuff. If it doesn't fit, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And the remaining 50% stays in your checking account for your bills. The cash mm-hmm. is to help you avoid a spending addiction, which is what you have when you go to the grocery store for toothpaste and walk out with $179.47 worth of stuff you don't need because you went there swiping. Mm-hmm. So if all you had was $10 or $5 for the toothpaste, you would have only walked out with toothpaste. And I too live that. I literally had to only have cash in order to control my spending. And I went to the grocery store. I had $100. I had $200 worth of stuff when I got to the cash register. In that moment, I knew if I had a credit card, debit card, or a check, I would have thoughtlessly swiped or written a check. And that's what the enemy wants you to do. See, if you, you have to start thinking about money. You have to control money. Look at your kids. If you do not discipline your kids, they will be out of control everywhere And, you know, Lord help us all. But if you give them the discipline and they grow up and they'll go in that direction, they may depart, but they'll come back. Money is the same way. We have to control money. So I talk about that. So spend less money. The next thing we all have to do is get more money through streams of income, through uh, investing, through, you know, whatever all those things are. But the third thing is what the wealthy have mastered. And that is to get your money back. And that simply means if you spend a dollar, ask yourself, can this be a business expense so I can write it off? If you went to the grocery store and bought $200 worth of groceries and ate all your groceries, and then the grocery store manager called you the next week and said, come and get all your groceries, you fly, you stop, drop and roll, you go get your money. Well, that's what the IRS says. The IRS says you're going to spend money on your cell phone. If you use it for business, you'll get it back. If you're going to take that trip, if it's a vacation, you don't get it back. But if it's a business trip, you do. IRS says you can hire your kids to work in your home-based business, pay each one a certain salary yep. up to $12,000. And now that's a tax write-off. So that tuition or ballet or piano lessons or whatever mm-hmm. you're paying for now becomes a tax write-off. So the IRS says that over 400 times, which is why wealthy people like Mitt Romney and the president and Jeff Bezos and Warren Buffett, that's why they don't pay any taxes or pay very, very little taxes per dollar that they earn. And it's the reason why uh, people who are not educated, you know, the more money you make, the more the IRS will take. See, people don't understand that. If you spend less money, get more money. But the more you get, the more they take, then you're back at square one. So you have to do all three, spend less money, get more money and get your money back. So my spend less money book is Living Check to Monday, The Real Deal About Money, Credit, and Financial Security. My Get More Money book is The Symphony, A Guide to Creating and Balancing Multiple Streams of Income. And then my Get Your Money Back book is Get Your Money Back, Tax Deductions You Never Knew About. So kind of take- I love it. Oh my gosh, I love it. You guys have to hit Lynn up. I love when you break things down on Instagram. And I just have to say, while I have you too, the other thing you are known for is not just money, but you are like- the grammar police <laughs> on Instagram. Let oh me tell God. you, I crack up, right? I love all the money stuff. I'm always here for it because you always going to give me one. Like Lynn, Lynn is always, go, she's good for a snatch your edge and go on ahead and log off and leave you thinking like, mm-hmm, yeah, I need to get my life. But that grammar police, I love when you go, now, where were you in school? Yeah. Where was everybody when the teacher taught the difference between 
your Y-O-U apostrophe I-R-E and your Y-O-U, you know, all that stuff. It's so funny because it took me a while to do social media and all of that, but that's what grew my followers. The first boost didn't come from being on television or any of that. It came from the grammar. And I'd be on the road with MC Light or whomever and random people would come up because I knew they wanted to take a picture with her. They'd be like, oh, Lynn, we want to take a picture with you too. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm not even dressed. Like, yeah, okay, grandma police. And they would just tell me all the ones. And um, I guess it was a it was a necessary wake up call for us all. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So before I let you go, I have to ask you some redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. So you're going to tell us the first thing that comes to mind. All right. The first thing is how do you define success? Peace, joy, harmony. I'm not necessarily looking for people to become wealthy. I'm looking for you to have harmony and (laughs) harmony means everything is working together for your good. As the Bible tells us, uh, God will, we, we, we will have everything working together for our good. If we are called according to his purpose. So Come peace. On. Mm-hmm. I love it. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Wealth in three words or less. Love, truthful, Giving, loving and truthful giving. Love it. Okay. What's one book, I think you said it earlier, but what's one book that has completely redefined how you see wealth? The Bible. Literally, I read it and I remember being a radio show host in Chicago and I was talking and then somebody said, you a preacher. I was like, what? Oh, please. I think I hung up on that caller. It's like 2005. I was like, hey, let me tell you. I might be a lot of things, but a preacher, I am not. Child, why am I ordained minister, the pastor of stewardship at Cali Worship, where Warren Campbell or Erica Campbell, I'm like, you could not have told me that was me. But when I read the Bible, and I remember being on the radio once, and I was teaching, and I had all this business and making all this money, and a whisper, God whispered, he said, when you know my word, like you know real estate, he said, then I can use you. Let me tell you, I almost fell out the chair. That was in 2005. Mm. The Bible has everything. I have the whole index. One of my books, Living Beyond Check to Monday, A Spiritual Path to Wealth and Prosperity. It's a workbook. You walk through scripture. Uh, Scripture has defined the bankruptcy rules are in scripture. The estate planning rules are in scripture. Insurance, investing, the Mm. Bible. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. All right. This is the last one. It's fill in the blank. My name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Lynn Richardson. And to me, the truth about wealth is it's yours for the taking. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here, Lynn. (sighs) I told you before we started, I look forward to you all week. You just cracked me up. (laughs) Even with such a deep message, you just cracked me up. And I remember someone asking me if I knew you. This is after I had already known who you were, asking me if I knew you. And they defined you like they do a lot of times with Black women in the same industry as my competition. And I was like, no, no, not competition. We're complimentary. 
And yeah. I remember when we talked, uh, we saw each other last year, Windy City Live in Chicago. We were both on that day. You walked in. I said, well, hey, now it's a party. Um, we talked then about my job, I think, at this time in this season is to help prepare people to really be able to receive all of the knowledge that you have for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we, we go in tandem. I really just love, you know, the ability to support other women in particular, you know, in this instance, a black woman, because like you said, we're all needed. We are all needed. And, you know, Light and I talk a lot on panels about one, she's hip hop two, I'm corporate, you know, we didn't grow up together, but we're like inseparable sisters. And the what the world has been able to witness and what I've been able to experience is literally, truly two sisters supporting each other. Because the biggest shock to most people, like Patrice, you've been out here so long, like you're everybody knows you, but people didn't know that I did what I, you saw me at Megafest. But the industry didn't know that I did what I because all they saw was for seven or eight years, I worked behind the scenes for MC Light and Russell Simmons and whomever else. And I did it with such, first of all, I was, I'm good at it. Okay. So I was phenomenal. I was comfortable. I didn't want to come from behind the scenes. My biggest issue with going on TV was I don't want people to know who I am because I might not want to smile. <laughs> I might not want to say hello. Like literally. I was sitting up here like, I might not want to say hello. Like, you know, you know how ignorant that uh-huh. is. <laughs> you might not want to say hello. What? <laughs> the fact that you're thinking about that is a problem. But again, all of those are my own insecurities. All of those are my own things that I've got to, okay, so you've got to now live for other people. And, and finally it came down to God saying, okay, so you only want to serve how you want to serve, which means you got to serve it. Okay. I know we, it's too many wisdom, too many nuggets. And it, it hit me upside the head. And so the biggest thing that I've been able to experience and witness through this and that I know is the truth. It is God and his love is working together with other women who are like-minded, who are moving in the same direction. And the other part of that is sometimes we're not like-minded, but that's okay too. Which is good. Yeah. Sometimes one of them acts a fool and that's okay too. We We should forgive each other. We forgive these men and I'm not bashing the men, but You'll find somebody in a relationship and the man did them wrong and you still hanging on like girl, please. And the minute a woman does something to another woman, we alienate her. We put and I'm just not about that. So what I love more than anything is, you know, all the women that I've raised up in the companies that I run, the the entertainment firm I run in, in California, people who I've supported and now they're doing their own businesses and being supported by MC Light and supporting MC Light and now watching this dynasty, you know, really come to fruition right before our eyes. Yeah. I want more of it. (laughs) I know. It's beautiful. Well, I'm so grateful that you had an opportunity or we had an opportunity to finally get together um, and make this happen. I know that this conversation is going to be such a blessing to so many And I just appreciate you and everything you do. Wow. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep your gentle, loving spirit. It is meekness in its finest. I come hard, 
but you have a very gentle and unique way of doing what you do, but it's powerful and it is unwavering. That's a very difficult combination of things to be and have. So keep doing it. I'll see you in 2032. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the pandemic is over and all of the inoculations and immunizations have taken, you know. Listen, a- Lynn, don't be saying that because in 2008, you were speaking about 2020 and we can't have this on record that in 2020. Oh my God. You did said two thousand. Did I just say twelve years? Okay. She's, no, she. Okay, we canceled that. She. Uh, <laughs> she meant two thousand twenty-three. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did I not tell you that Lynn was hilarious? She cracks me up, it, and I don't even think she's trying hard. It just is who she is, and I am so honored that she is my sister in this space, in this struggle. I just love it, love it, love it. Now you know, because I'm not sure if you did know, when you clicked on this episode, what paycheck to Monday means. Did that not get you together? (laughs) Yes, paycheck to Monday is a real thing, but I love Lynn's story. I love her transparency. And the truth is for both of us, right? If we could go through all of the things that we went through, ruining our credit, bankruptcy. I think she went through foreclosure as well. I know I did. If we could do all of that and still rebuild our lives, reframe our minds and redefine wealth for ourselves in order to empower and impact not just you all, but to really leave a legacy for the next generation, then why not you? It's possible for all of us, right? I truly, truly believe that. I believe that's why it's important to share your story, give your testimony. And I'm so grateful that Lynn was willing to do that. Listen, I have some links in the show notes. You need to pick up copies of Lynn's books. I have already enlisted her to be my unofficial official a mentor <laughs> because she is just a wealth of information. I really just wanted to introduce her to this community so you have another avenue to get your questions answered because she is doing that every day through her social media channels, on her radio show. And so get the books. She also has a membership community. She has so much going on. Get the book, get enrolled in the programs and get to work. 2020 is not canceled. Purpose isn't postponed. And there's still an opportunity for you to come up with the game plan to get out of this thing, to come out of this season on top. And we want you to do that. So click the links in the show notes so you can get more information. And that's it for us. If you want to discuss some of these things, join us over in the Redefining Wealth community on Facebook. You can also follow me in social media, Seek Wisdom PCW. Tell me what you thought of this episode. Make sure you rate and review because that really does help. And until next time, till we finish out this series next week with Bob Lodich, it's time for you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.